It's been sick. I know Dina has been all week with fever, and I see many hands. Um, I read yesterday in an article that there was a there was an emergency room in Southern California that uh, has se not seen this amount of people in their emergency room since an earthquake that they had there uh, in the 90s. And so there's a lot of that going on. But um, I was reminded this week in, in my driving around or just meditating on the Lord that God is much bigger than germs. And, uh, and so we can um, really look to him for healing. We'll, we'll encounter sickness, but he can heal us of that sickness. Without God, we would just always be sick. Um, this is a fallen world. There's going to be sickness. There is going to be pains. There is going to be hurts. But God is bigger than it. And, uh, and so I choose to follow him even though there may be sicknesses. I just pray that those that couldn't be here today would really find some relief and encounter his presence in the midst of their sickness. Uh, I, uh, sometimes the presence that we encounter in sickness isn't one that really feels holy. Sometimes it feels pretty nasty, but I encourage or pray that they would really find some of his presence even now. Well, Vision Sunday, what is Vision Sunday? Vision Sunday today, we're going to talk a lot about um, the do's and the process of New Testament church. Um, what do we do? What don't we do type of a thing? Uh, but I really want to encourage you to um, hear all of it. Um, I'm praying that you'll catch the vision. Uh, I am excited about, um, I, I may not look as excited as, as I really am, but I am really excited about what God wants to do. Now, hear me. It's not what I want to do. It's not what you want to do. It's what God wants to do. Now, how do I know he wants to do it? Because I read the Bible. And it's all in there, and it tells me all that he wants to do. And we're going to look at some of those things today. He wants to do a great work in our community. He wants to do a great work in you. We're going to, next week, kick off a series called The Power of, um, it's not potential, what's the word I'm thinking of? Routine, The Power of Routine. Um, well, we're going to talk about how he does a work in us as we, as we work through a routine in our life. But... I want to uh, try to stir up within you today a real passion about our future as a church. Who would call New Testament church their home? By a show of hands, I think it's fairly unanimous. And for the rest of you, of you I'm hoping to convince you by the end of the day, this can be your home. Boy, I have a lot to say. So what happens is they all come at once, and then I have to capture a thought, because sometimes they're wandering, capture this wandering thought. And, uh, but let's just go to Scripture to start there. Habakkuk 2 is where you'll find probably anybody preaching a Vision Sunday service is probably at some point in time goes to Habakkuk chapter 2. It's one of the only times that you'll see Habakkuk used in a service, um, because it's a small little book, and... It's in the Old Testament. Um, it's in between Genesis and Matthew. So good luck finding that. 
but I have it printed here for me, so I'm going to read it from here. Habakkuk chapter 2, and I'll read 1 through 3. I will take my stand, this is Habakkuk, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And here's what the Lord answered Habakkuk. He says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so you may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, and it will not delay. So today's title is this. Ready, set, wait. So can you say that with me? Ready, set, wait. Well, let's get in. That's, that's what I really believe the Lord is telling us as a church for right now. Now, how many get excited about waiting? Now, if I was in that hospital emergency room with 200 people there, I would probably be sitting in a waiting room. How many people like waiting rooms? I can't stand a waiting room. This week, I had the uh, awesome pleasure, um, as many of us have at some point in our life, to go to DMV. It was tremendous. It was the best time I have had in a very long time. We went and we stood in the short line because we had made an appointment. Um, We got up to the window and realized we didn't have all the paperwork we needed. So we went home, gathered our paperwork, came back, got back in the short line and waited. And just as we got up to the front to go to the window again, we remembered we needed another signature from mom who was at home. So we went home a third time to return again. So we spent a lot of time in DMV. Waiting's not a fun thing. But if you're not willing to wait, then you're not willing for the outcome. Does that make sense? You won't encounter an outcome unless you wait for it. Otherwise, it, it's a happening. And I, for one, am excited about the outcome that the Lord has in store for us. But there's going to be a waiting that comes. But first, before you wait, you have to get ready. And the Lord wants us to get ready by knowing clearly what it is we're waiting for. So in Isaiah 8.1, the Lord instructs clarity. Isaiah writes this, he says, Then the Lord said to me, Take a large tablet and write on it in common characters. In common characters. Characters that are understood by all. So for us to wait for a harvest, let's call it. A harvest is this. In the church, we would call the harvest a soul's being saved and coming to Christ and walking in Christ. Right? That would be a harvest. Uh, many of us have been praying for harvest for you know decades, and but we have to know how to get ready for it, and so it has to be clearly disp- laid out for us, clearly written in characters that are easily understood. So I want to give to you today a vision 
of what I believe we as a church need to be. Not as, uh, not as one, last, let me back up, last year at this time, we talked about a vision statement as a church, and, we, and, it's in, and you'll read it when you walk in the front doors, it says, encountering his presence, changing lives for eternity. And the more and more I've thought about that in the last couple of weeks, what I begin to realize is that's, that is, uh, yes, we want everybody to encounter his presence. Yes, we want all lives to be changed for eternity, but that is a value of ours. We as a church value his presence. If you come to worship, I can tell you everybody up here that's leading you in worship values presence, and they want you to encounter his presence because they have and they want to lead you to that place of presence. It's in his presence that our lives will be changed. So I know that's a strong value that will be unchanging for us as a church. But let me give you a vision, and and the vision is this, is that we are a bold, influential church for Christ in this region so that all communities are moved far from God to set free in Christ. Now, think about that. Do we not want to be a church that can proclaim life and light to those that are lost and hurting? Don't we want those that are far from God to come close to Christ and find freedom in Christ? How many people do you see on a daily that, that don't know that there's hope for tomorrow? I believe that God wants us to be a bold, influential church for Christ. That's a challenge. How do you be bold and influential? How will you be bold and influential for Christ throughout this region? Well, some of it means being involved outside of the church. I, I know uh, Wanda and Scott, they've been involved with this Mosaic Children's Museum, and that's, that's something outside of the church where they can be influential. Your job and the things that you do day in and day out is an opportunity for you to be influential. Otherwise, it's just a job. And job stands for just over broke. So I don't want you just to have a job. I want you to be a church that's bold and influential in the community for Christ. Because we want to see a region changed. We want to see the whole region changed for Christ. Selfishly, yes. I want to live in a region that loves God and and understands freedom in Christ. Don't you want that same thing? Do you want to live in a, a community that is, is dark or depressed or oppressed? I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the community that, that sees the light of Christ daily in their interactions and, and activity. Imagine uh, going to work and, and having people ask you to pray for them. Imagine... Uh, going out to dinner, and, and this has been happening more and more often for us, is that we'll bump into people. We went to the movies the other night, and we bumped into like three or four other families, and it was great to be out in the community and find our church family, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we, we got to commune with them there. That's, that's the desire and the heart of the church, is that we are bold and influential for Christ in a community that is currently far from God, that can be set free in Christ. Have you encountered freedom yourself in Christ? I think many of us could say, yes, we have. We might 
we might uh, relapse periodically and fall back into bondage, but we've encountered freedom in Christ. Now, how do we become bold and influential about that freedom? We walk in that freedom daily, and we're bold about it. Not in your face like we don't like you, but in your face that we love you. Our vision, a bold, influential church for Christ in this region so that all communities are moved far from God to set free in Christ. Acts eight says, and this is, encourages me, how do we get there? Well, you don't do it alone. You don't do it in your own power. Uh, it, it, we're clearly shown here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They did not do it on their own. They had power through the Holy Spirit in their city, in their region, and to the ends of the earth. That's how the word was spread and is still being spread today. So get ready. Get ready. Because when a bold, influential church starts proclaiming that Christ loves them, they can have freedom in Christ, people want that. In fact, they're ready for it. How do I know it? Because when Scripture tells me that the, that the field is white unto harvest, it means it's ready to be picked. That tells me that they're ready to be told that there's freedom in Christ and that they can be loved. And they need to encounter that love. And they can encounter that love here. They ought to. Now get set. The get set piece is, is um, exciting to me because I'm a, a structure operational type of guy. I like structure. I like plans and strategy. Let's, let's strategize. I don't like to completely finish the strategy before I start implementing, which is a flaw, but, but I like to get set. So we get ready, we know the vision, we get set. Well, getting set is our mission. This mission has been our mission for many years as a church. It's had changes here and there, but if you put that on the screen, it says our mission is to discover the reality of God's love. Who's seen this before? Who could repeat it without looking at it? So that's why it's in front of you again. I want you to know it to the place where you can repeat it because we're going to be a bold, influential church in a community that's far from God that can be set free in Christ. So our mission, this is our process, this is the set, is to discover the reality of God's love, develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and His church, and to demonstrate our God-given purposes in life. We've been spending the last three years working on this. We've been spending three years as a church saying there's some things that, that are uh, not the core importance of what we do. There's some things that we do, but they're not core to who we are and what we're going to do. What is our process as a church? Now, here, why do we need a process? So we can build the church? No. The process isn't about building. The process is about stewarding, taking care of. God clearly shows us that he builds the church. He, he's the one that, that has uh, caused the fields to be ready for harvest. I can't cause a field to be ready for harvest. He does that. God's going to bring the harvest, 
but we have to be ready for it when it gets here. So we have to get ready, and we have to get set. Growth track today, we're going to talk a lot about, um, more about our process. We'll go deeper into it. It's only an hour, but we're going to talk more about it. But what's the get set piece? Discovering the reality of God's love. Discover is really our weekend events, our weekend services. When we come to church on a Sunday, we have a team that has gotten together and prepared a worship set of songs. They didn't do it just because they like those songs. Maybe they like them. But they did it because their goal, their desire, is that we could encounter his presence. So they, they put together a list of songs that will facilitate us moving from where we were at to into his presence. So when we come to church on Sunday, we want to discover the reality of his love that happens in his presence. Well, so how do you partake in or participate in that? You sing the songs and you praise him from your heart with the expectation that I am going to encounter his presence. I'm not going to watch them sing and play a song. Because when all of us, and I mean, you're here today on purpose. You're listening today to this message on purpose. Why? Because you are a part of the ready set. You are a part of the ready set and then we'll wait upon the Lord. But you're a part of this. And if you're going to be a part of this team that is going to be bold and influential in this community for Christ, then we have to participate in the team activity. And the team activity is I'm going to worship Him with all my heart when we come together on a Sunday because it's when a guest comes walking in the doors of this church and this church is worshiping with all their heart, guess what they're going to encounter? They're going to encounter His presence. And guess what's going to happen? Their lives are going to be changed for eternity. You're a participant in creating an atmosphere of praise. So discovering the reality of God's love, that's a process, that's a step in the process, and we all participate in it, and we don't get nothing back in return. We get a lot back in return. It's incredible what you get back in return. When you pray for someone, you see them healed, or you encourage someone in the byways and highways, and you see their soul lifted up, there's so much that comes from that. You leave feeling better probably than they even did. It'll happen here too. When you see guest after guest after guest come into the doors of this church and encounter his presence and get saved and get baptized and start walking out their walk in Christ, which is one of freedom, you get to say, I participated in that. Don't you want to be a part of that? That's the discovering the reality of his love. The, the second part of that is develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and His church. We don't want to live a life where it's all highs and then we're in the basement until next Sunday where it's a high again. We go from mountaintop to basement to mountaintop to basement. That's not the life we want to live. In fact, we want to have a life that, that we're continuously growing and going to another level in Christ. I call it next steps. What's the next step in Christ for you? Where are you at with Christ right now? Some of us have done this. Some of us have had a really hard life absent His presence. We were doing life on our own. We were getting in trouble. We were uh, 
dealing with the consequences of our mistakes. And that was our life. And then we got saved. And then our life turned around and got much better. And we celebrated that. And it was awesome. It was tremendous. But then we tend to, at times, hit these what I would call plateaus where we're much better than we used to be, but it's just kind of flat right now. And what I would encourage you in this is this. What I would encourage you is this. Is you have to take a next step. You have to step up off of that plateau to another level. And how do you know what that next step is? If you're not fellowshipping with other believers and other leaders in Christ, you won't know. Fellowship's important. You weren't meant to get saved and then live on your own. You were meant to get saved and baptized and live within a community of believers that encouraged you in your next steps as you encouraged others in theirs. To develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and His church, our process is simple. It's growth track and life groups. Because it's in life groups that we're going to develop a personal relationship with His church, each other, and because of the teaching and the prayer time and the spiritual components of life groups, we're going to develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for we, us as a church, our process is that. We're going to discover the reality of God's love, and we're going to get together throughout the week, every time the semester of life groups is going on, and we're going to fellowship and grow together in Christ. Develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. So how many people like steps? Tell me what to do, Pastor. What's the next step? Well, if you've not done life groups or growth track, those would be good next steps. And then lastly is demonstrate our God-given purposes. This is all the get ready, now get set piece. So get set because until you're ready and set, we won't be waiting for the harvest. We'll be just apathetic. It would be like, again, going to the doctor or needing to go to the doctor and doing what I do and just not go. I will not get an outcome if I stay home. I have to actually go and wait. Our process is something that we'll do actively. So what's the last step of the set? It's develop, uh, to demonstrate. Demonstrate our God-given purposes in life. That means putting our hand to the plow and actually helping plow the soil. That means actually stepping out in faith and doing something that I'm not comfortable doing. I'm going to serve my brother, serve my sister, welcome a guest. I'm going to teach a life group or, or clean the facility. or I'm going to do something to serve. I can't demonstrate my God-given purposes in life by sitting and doing nothing. I actually have to get out and play the game. I actually have to do something. Our, what we would call that here is we would call it joining a dream team. Now, what is dream team? You've seen a subliminally, we've had a, a, a uh, it wasn't on purpose subliminally. It just got left up. But it was a sign that said dream team for weeks and weeks and weeks. It sat over here on the side. 
What is that? The dream team would be anything from parking to greeting to, to hospitality to children's to, to worship to uh, facilities. There's, you'll go to growth track. You'll hear more about dream teams. So the set is this, our process is our weekend services, life groups, growth track, and dream teams. Now, the, sharing with you the process might not be inspirational. I'll tell you what, I get fired up about it, though. Because he is the Lord of the harvest. And if he's going to send the harvest, and I have no silos for him to put it in, then he won't send it to me. If God wants to give you something, you have to have something for him to put it in. And for us, we have to have some place that we're going to be able to steward the harvest. Now wait. We want to ready, set, go. And I kept, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, probably even Wednesday of this week, that's what the title was, ready, set, go. But I just really couldn't get to the go. The go wasn't happening. And I want to tell you, it's because it wasn't time. Habakkuk 2, verse 3 said this, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. If it seems slow, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. It will surely come. But wait for it. Have you ever grown weary in waiting? For those of us that have been waiting, there's a tendency to grow weary in it. I was sharing in a meeting this week that Sometimes we lose hope, but what causes us to lose hope is we lose faith. Did you hear that? If you have faith, you will always have hope, but if you lose faith, you'll lose hope. If, do I have faith that the Lord has purposefully, purposely ordained New Testament church to be a bold, influential church in this community? I believe that. I have faith in that. Do you have faith in that? Because if you don't feel like that's going to be the case, then you've lost faith, which means you've lost hope. I believe that that's still what God wants for here. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. It'll be right on time. So what do we do in the waiting? We get ready and we get set. Because when the harvest comes, it's too late to get ready and get set. So we become active in our waiting. There's those of us, though, that have been doing the work and have been doing it well. Do we not get... To, and, and, and then there's those of us that say, well, we've been working really hard. Do we not get to be a part of the harvest? Do we not get to be a part of the glory? 
does the waiting that we've done account for anything? Yes, let me encourage you. John 4, 35 through 38 says this. Do you not say, for there are four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Say white for harvest. That is prophetic, promised truth. It's biblical. Verse 36, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that sower and reaper may rejoice together. Harvest is what the reaper enjoys. Harvest is what the reaper is working at. But there would be no reaping without sowing. So you want to know what kind of harvest I am believing in? Is one that has been sowed into for 45 years. I get chills thinking about it. Because if I had sowed for a year, would I have a harvest that would last for a long time? I'm not, we have a farmer, I'm not one in our midst. But I can tell you there's been a lot of work of sowing that has gone on here. Which tells me that if the amount of sowing is going to equal the amount of harvest, there's going to be a lot of reaping to be had. And if you've been a part of the sowing, Scripture tells us that together we will rejoice. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. There is going to be those of us that will be a part of this harvest, that will reap, and, and we'll be able to walk in the glory of things that we did not sow into. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. We are getting ready, set, and waiting for the harvest. There may be some more sowing that happens. But there will be a harvest that comes. Are you ready? Are you set? How many people like numbers? Any numbers people around here? I like numbers. I'm a numbers guy. And... and um, So I, I have a number, and how I got to this place was, um, this is where everybody gets nervous, because it's like, well, that's a faith statement. I'm not responsible for the number. He is. We just have to get ready, get set, and wait for the number. I'm excited about that. I was uh, meeting with different pastors in the region, and and. Um, I'm a newer pastor, and I grew up amongst pastors, but I'm constantly wanting to learn and understand and, and develop and grow. And, and so as I'm asking questions, and, and there was a number that kept coming up, kept coming up, kept coming up, and, and so I said, okay, that's the number. The number, and this was step one. 
We have on a weekly service, we run about, with children, about 90 to 100 weekly. There's about 300 and some odd people that have, have come here in the last, uh, somewhat regular over the last year or so. Um, today, uh, I would tell you there's probably about that 70-ish, 80-ish range again. With, I must have had five or six calls, text messages yesterday saying they wouldn't be here today because they were ill. Um, so we have a, a body that's hurting right now. We should all hurt with them and pray and intercede for them. But the number that came to me is that this first step won't be 100 or 200. It's 500. And, and so what will you do? What will we do if 500 people showed up this year on a Sunday? Well, I can tell you there's 130 seats in here. That would be difficult. We potentially would have 400 people leave unhappy. That would be wrong. So what that tells me is we have to get ready. We have to get set. I better really run through this message. Keeping that in mind, I was in my Bible reading this week. It, and this is a plug for Bible reading. Go to ntcwoodland.org and click on Start Reading Plan. And join us in our Bible reading. There's about 10 of us in there right now. And uh, we're all reading through the Bible together. It's, it's good. It's good. Luke 5 was part of our reading this week. Luke 5, verse 1 through 11 says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the, to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out of the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and did not catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let down nets again. Caleb, I think that's on there. It's, it's Luke 5 Verses 1 through 11. Let's look at verse 4 again. Do you have that? You don't have that. Okay. Let me read it again. When we had finished speaking, when he had finished speaking, Jesus, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. So I say 500. Well, we've heard numbers before. But okay, if you say so. And I'm here to tell you today that yes, the Lord says so. We are to let out our nets again. And when they let out their nets again, this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. It won't be a New Testament church only thing. There will be other churches that participate in the harvest. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon realized all this had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man because Peter's just a funny guy that way. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as they were, as were the others with him. God 
fills the nets. Waiting is trusting, and trusting prepares us for the harvest. Waiting is trusting. Get ready, get set, and trust. Get ready, get set, and prepare. Get ready, get set, wait for the harvest. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you feel weary, if you feel faint, then what I'm going to tell you is get ready and get set and wait. Don't just be, but be active. Be actively waiting. Be ready, be set, and wait. Because it's in that waiting that you'll be renewed in your strength. You shall be able to learn to run and not be weary. You'll learn to walk and not faint. I will tell you the harvest will take work. You, you won't fit 500 people in here in one service. You're talking two, three services. That's work. But you won't grow weary in doing it because you'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. Waiting is not passive sitting around. It is an active process where God asks us to partner with Him. When the disciples waited, they decided to wait in a posture of prayer, worship, and fellowship with one another. You'll see that in Acts. So finally, get ready, get set, wait, trust, and be active. Demonstrate your faith. Vision for 2018 is in September of this year, we're going to celebrate our 45th anniversary as New Testament Church. What that looks like, I I don't have it all completely laid out. We have to get ready. We have to get set. But part of the ready set is what I've talked about today in announcements is life groups and growth track. That's next step for you. If you're not in a life group, if you've not gotten to growth track, do those things. That's part of getting ready and getting set. But there's another big part. Caleb, if you put up, do you have any of those slides? The prayer. They're gone? Um, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Next Sunday. You won't win the battle of getting ready and getting set without winning the battle of the spiritual first. We can do a lot and have no outcome if spiritually we're not in God's will. Next Sunday, I'm going to encourage you to join us for this 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll have uh, some guides for you next week to help you with that. And, and, it, and it's going to show you what to do every day for 21 days in this prayer and fasting. Some will be fasting food. Some will be fasting other things. Uh, fasting does not say, okay, God, you need to bring the harvest now. Fasting does not move God. God is already in God's will. Actually, God is okay with God right now. Prayer and fasting does what? It moves us. It moves our flesh to be aligned to our spirit and our spirit to be aligned with his spirit. Prayer and fasting is about denying my own personal will for something greater. It's trading up. So next week, we're going to kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, and in that, believing that as we get ready and we get set and that we're waiting on the Lord, 
that he will bring the harvest. He has put you here in this place on purpose. You're not here by accident. You guys have heard me say this so many times, but coming to church on Sunday isn't just a check-the-box activity. It's a part of the waiting. It's a part of the preparation. It's a part of the trust. It's part of putting down the net again. I'm going to lower my net again if you say so, Lord. I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again, I'm going to do it again, I'm going to do it again, I'm going to keep on doing it. Because someday, Lord, you, being the Lord of the harvest, you, being the creator of all those fish, are going to fill the net. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Be strengthened in the waiting. Can you all do me a favor? Can you smile at me? I'm going to ask you to do something for me next week, and I'll have cards for you. We're going to have cards available for you next week, and I want you to be thinking this week about people that are far from God, that need to be set free in Christ. And next week when you come to church, we'll have those cards available for you to, to write their names on these cards, and we'll keep those cards in a box, and we're going to be praying for them as you pray for them. We're going to be believing that they are part of that harvest that he is in charge of and that he will bring. But we have to agree with him in that because what happens when we agree with him in prayer and fasting, we line ourselves up and we agree with him over the soul of an individual, then he starts to use us as we're in his will to help encounter, help them encounter presence through you. Did you know you're a reflection of Christ? Or ought to be. Let's all stand. So next week when you come, be praying this week. Who is it that you want to put their name on that card? We're going to sing through this song and and dismiss you today. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to go home, be healthy, use hand sanitizer, and don't get sick. I'm going to encourage you to get into the Scripture and read the Word with us. It's, it's, uh, Bible reading time is great. I get to see uh, comments up there all the time of people that have been reading their Scripture for that day. And if you fall behind, you can just pick up where we're all at. It's not, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but I don't want you to beat yourself up for falling behind. I want you to engage and be a part of it. Are you ready? So I've been dreaming of this and letting the Lord speak of this for years now. So I'm well prepared for it because I've been dealing with this a long time. This might be the first for some of you. For some of you, you've heard me say this before. I probably sound like a broken record. But ask God to give you the passion that he has for this community. Some of you have it. I, I, I get that. But he wants to see the community set free. There's I said that we're to be a bold, influential church for Christ in this community. And I want to I believe this is a word to encourage somebody. 
that the answer to your problem is that you've let the community be bold and influential in your life. You're letting the wrong thing influence you. And Christ aches to influence you. His heart aches to be the one that influences you. And so today, I, I want to pray with you at the end of this service. I'm going to ask you to come forward. If, if there's things in your life that have been influencing you and causing you to stumble and causing you to fall, we prayed for forgiveness earlier, but we're going to pray for resolution and passion and confidence in your walk. Because you're called to be a bold and influential individual for Christ. You have the capacity to be that. So as we sing through this song, come forward. I want to pray with you if that's you this morning.